Well, uh, last night our brother Tom uh, made a call. The Lord made a call for all the young people. For all the young people to be today's Nazarites. A call went out to Europe from this tent last night. And I hope that many last night and today and for the remainder of this camp in the depths of their being would be answering this call by telling the Lord I choose to be an overcomer. By faith, I will be an overcomer. We may say we want to be an overcomer, but that is a wish. Maybe a hope. But if we say, I choose, we are exercising our God-strengthened will. Our will is critical in God's economy. That's why in 2 Timothy 1.7, We are told that we have not been given a spirit of cowardice, but of power, love, and a sober mind. A spirit of power for our will to choose. Amen. So we choose. How about we all say together, Lord, I choose to be today's Nazarite. I choose to be today's Nazarite. Amen. And I hope many of us will repeat this uh, word to the Lord. Mainly privately, but also perhaps publicly. Uh, so in the remaining messages of the camp, we want to see how we can become and how we can be preserved to be today's Nazarites. God has a way. Uh, with our cooperation for all of us in this room to be today's Nazarites. You know, after last night's word, there may be some who feel that's it, I'm finished. I am disqualified. There's no hope for me. 
Well, this morning we would like to show you a picture. Na tym spotkaniu chcemy pokazać wam obraz. Uh, tell you a story. Opowiedzieć wam historię. Uh, show you the verses in the Word of God that show us that if we repent deeply, if we turn from our former and vain manner of life, if we repent and confess to the Lord and apply His precious prevailing blood. We can have a new beginning. A fresh start with our lovely Lord Jesus. Let's just look at some verses on your verse sheet before we get into the story this morning. It's on the second page of your verse sheet. 1 John, 1 John 1, 7 and 9. Yes. Uh, let's just read it together, the two verses, in all the languages. If we, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from every sin. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Okay? So just briefly but emphatically, it says in verse 7, the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from some sins, from most sins, from, from every sin. And then in verse 9 it says, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins. He is faithful. Faithful according to His Word and righteous in the blood of His Son to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there is a way. And this morning I'd like to tell you about the way. That way is a lovely person. God's way is not a method. God's way is not a religious ritual. Uh, God's way is not penance. God's way is not our promising to be better. God's way is not our trying harder. 
Bożym sposobem też nie jest nasze usiłowanie, jak ty, nasze staranie się God's way is a person. A lovely person. The lovely, spotless Lamb of God. In John 1.29, which is on your verse sheet, it says, the next day, he saw, a second verse, the next day, he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold! Behold! Look at! See! The Lamb of God! The Lamb of God! The spotless, pure, little Lamb of God! Who takes away the sin of the world. So, you know, if you read the four Gospels, I don't think anyone can help but be impressed by the person, by the living, by the heart, by the love of the Lord Jesus, especially for sinners. Especially for sinners. Actually, most of his rebukes were for religious people who just condemned and judged sinful people. In John chapter 4, there is a wonderful account of the detouring God. What do I mean by the detouring God? That, that means that the Lord was journeying into Galilee. But on His way to Galilee, He took a detour. He was supposed to be going that way. But he took a detour. And uh, he came to a, um, a Samaritan city. Outside a Samaritan city. People who were under a curse. And he sent his disciples into the city to get food. And he, uh, he just waited by a well for a woman. And that woman came to draw water. And the Lord said, give me a drink. And she was, she was like, well, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? And the Lord said, if you knew who asked you, give me a drink. 
You would have asked him. And he would give you living water. And the woman, of course, said, Sir, give me this water. Give me this living water to drink. And, and what did the Lord say to her? Did he say, I know about your, your sins. I know about your past. I know about your history. I'm God and I see what you do in the dark. He didn't say that. He said, I can't give you a drink. He didn't say that. He said, well, go call your husband. And what was her reply? Sir, I don't have a husband. And he said, you have spoken rightly. Because you have had five husbands. And the man you are with now is not your husband. So he pointed out her, her state to her, her condition to her. What he was pointing out was, you are sinful because you are thirsty. And because you thirst, you give yourself to things that you think will satisfy you. But that is worldly water. That is Egyptian water. And when you drink that water, it turns to blood. It kills you. So the Lord wanted to give her living water. And as a result of that, uh, that interaction with the Lord, she, she went back to her city and she brought many, many people to hear the Lord Jesus. She was restored by the Lamb of God. In John chapter 8, a woman was caught in adultery. The religious ones brought her to the Lord wanting to stone her. And his word, his wise word to the crowd was, Whoever of you is without sin, you cast the first stone. And of course, they all left. All of them left. They were all sinners. All sinners. And she was left alone with the Lord. And again, he did not condemn her. Sometimes, uh, young people, all of us, we need to be alone with the Lord. Uncovered. Not hiding anything from Him. 
And when we confess our sins to Him, He forgives us all our sins. Every sin. Any sin. Providing our repentance is genuine. And what He said to that woman was, go, Your sins are forgiven. And sin no more. So don't think it's just a kind of a repetitive cycle. I sin, I confess, I sin, I confess. No. Sin is serious. Sin will kill us. Sin will disqualify us. But the Lord's forgiveness and blood will will cleanse us and qualify us. Amen. So I see, you know, you just read the Gospels. What a lovely, lovely person our God and Savior is. Well, um, the Lord came to save all men. But in order to save all men, uh, God's righteous condemnation, judgment and wrath had to be satisfied. Amen. The, the Bible says the wages of sin, the reward of sin is death. So if there is a sin, then the God's judgment on that sin is death. Blood must be shed. And so the Lord Jesus came into the world to save all mankind from their sin by, by dying for, for all of us. And uh, maybe this morning, but definitely tonight, we'll see the picture in the book of Exodus. The picture in Exodus 12 is fulfilled in John 1.29. The reality of Exodus 12 is, is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. So on the the last week of the Lord's uh, human life on earth, He came to Jerusalem. He didn't actually stay in Jerusalem. 
He, st he stayed in a little village called Bethany outside of Jerusalem. Uh, and daily he would go into the city. We'll see tonight in the Old Testament type that leading up to the feast of the Passover the children of Israel had to take a spotless, unblemished lamb. On the tenth day of the first month. The tenth day of the first month. And then they would examine that lamb for four days. To make sure there is no blemish. There's no lame, lame leg. That the lamb is perfect. And then on the 14th day of the first month, the feast of the Passover was celebrated. And the lamb was slain. The lamb was killed. Its blood was shed. And then the children of Israel feasted on the flesh, on the meat of the lamb. Well, if you read the uh, accounts in the uh, four Gospels, and I, I highly recommend uh, at some point doing this, reading the four different accounts of the last, the Lord's last week. Before he was crucified. Well, he came into Jerusalem for those, uh, those four days. And he was questioned. He was examined. By the chief priests. By the scribes and the Pharisees. By the lawyers. By the people. Eventually we'll see by the Roman governor called Pilate. By the Sanhedrin. He was examined. And he was found to be perfect. Spotless. Without blemish. No, no one could find fault with the Lord Jesus. Question after question after question. Looking for a way to catch him out. Looking for a way to trip him up. Tri way to trip him up. But in vain. He answered every question. Eventually, they were all silenced. 
They had no answer to him. Well, another thing I just like to point out before we, we get into the details of the last day. In the Jewish calendar, in Jewish timekeeping, a day begins in the evening. We're used to a, a new day starting at midnight or when we get up in the morning. But in the Jewish calendar, when you get up in the morning, the day is half over. And so we'll just roughly use 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. According to the According to the Jewish time time reckoning this is a day. So on day 14 of the first month at 6 p.m. That was the beginning of the Passover feast. And if you would like to turn to Luke chapter 22. Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke 22. And you can just follow along. I'm not going to read all the verses. But we're just going to journey through the last hours of the Lord's life. We'll apply it much tonight. We'll apply it much tonight, but we need to know the story. So he's already been uh, in the Jerusalem area for a week. From day 10 to day 14, he's been going in to Jerusalem every day. Presenting himself, presenting himself to the religious people. Examine me. Look at me. Not in a proud way, but in a gentle, in a humble, in a meek, in a mild way. But look at me. Can you find any fault? And they all had to acknowledge. They all had to acknowledge. No fault. On the 14th, the Lord told His disciples, let's look at uh, Luke 22. Okay. And... uh, Verse 7 and 8 says, And on the day of unleavened bread came, on which the Passover had to be sacrificed, and he sent Peter and John, saying, 
Go and prepare the Passover for us so that we may eat it. And then verse 14 says, And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. So this was the Lord celebrating the Passover feast with his disciples. So somewhere around about here, you know, time approximate. The last Passover. The Lord following the Jewish tradition celebrated the Passover with his disciples. And then in verses 19 and 20 it says, And he took a loaf and gave thanks. And he broke it and gave it to them. Saying, This is my body. Which is being given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And similarly... The cup that they had died after, and the cup, and similarly the cup after they had dined, saying this cup is the new covenant, which is established in my blood, which is poured out for you. My body given for you. My blood shed for you. This is God's way. It is not trying to do better. It is a body crushed for us. It is human blood shed for us. When we are at the Lord's table meeting of the church, we are declaring the Lord's death and remembering Him. So this is, this is a tremendous, this is the top meeting of the church. Declaring His sacrificial death for us. Remembering Him. So, this is when He initiated, He began, He instituted the Lord's Supper. He celebrated the last Passover with his disciples. And then replaced it with the Lord's Supper. So they, they, uh, they celebrated together. But of course, we know even then that Satan had entered into one of his disciples, 
Judas. So even at this memorial time, this special time, Satan was in the midst. One of his own disciples who had been with him for three and a half years. Went and sold him for, for money. I want money. If you give me money, I'll tell you where you can find him. So Judas went out and betrayed his Lord. The Lord Jesus. Well, the supper ended. The supper ended. And the Lord went with the remainder of his disciples to the Mount of Olives. To the Garden of Gethsemane. And there he told his remaining disciples, Watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. And then he went apart from his disciples. He knelt down. And it says in verse 44, and being in agony, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. He knew what was before him. And he was praying to the Father, Father, if this is your will, if it's possible, take this cup away from me. But if it is your will, I will drink this cup. And even it says that an angel from heaven appeared, strengthening him. Well, he came back a couple of times to his disciples and found his disciples sleeping. And he had to wake them up. Well, I think the third time that he came back to his disciples, he told them, wake up, it's time. Verse 47. Can we read verse 47 of Luke 22 together? While he was still speaking, behold, a crowd came, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was going before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. In verse 52 it says they had swords and clubs. So a crowd, a crowd made up of the attendants of the chief priest, Roman soldiers, a crowd, not one or two. A crowd came with clubs and swords. 
to arrest the Lord Jesus. And in Mark 14 it says, all his disciples fled. In John it says that the Lord said, here I am. Let these ones go. I'm the one you're looking for. Let the others go. In Mark it says they fled. In Isaiah 50 it says, He alone bore our transgressions. He alone. A few minutes earlier, you have your friends beside you, standing shoulder to shoulder with you. And then this huge crowd comes, and they desert you. And now, you're alone. And you are surrounded by people you know are going to kill you. So, they took him away to the high priest's house. And it says that Peter followed at a distance. Peter who said, I will never leave you. The others may leave you, but I won't leave you. Well, Peter follows at a distance. He's taken into the, uh, the house of the high priest. Peter's outside, looking in, at a distance. And, and three times, someone says to him, you, you were with him. Peter goes, no, no, with him, no, I wasn't with him. Second time, you were with him, you, you, you speak like him, you're a Galilean. No, 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 you got the wrong person. In John's account, it says the third time, Peter denied the Lord with cursing. Cursing, I tell you, I don't know him. In Luke's account, it says, and the Lord at that moment looked at Peter. The look, the look that melted Peter. I'm in here, I'm about to die. You're, you're, you're feet away and you're denying that you are with me with cursing. And it says, if you look again, 63 through 65. And the men who were mocked him and beat him. 
So, you know, you've got guys holding on to the Lord Jesus. And they're mocking him. In one account they're saying they're looking for false testimony. They're bringing in people to say, to tell lies about the Lord Jesus. Oh, he... He blasphemed God. Uh, he said he would destroy the temple. He did this, he did that. Uh, so, but no one could really, they couldn't find an accurate testimony because they were all lies. Eventually, the high priest said, Tell us plainly. Are you the Son of God? And the Lord didn't directly answer. In Isaiah again it says, He was silent. Silent before His accusers. But eventually He said something to the effect of, It is as you say. And they went into a rage. The high priest tore his garments, tore his own garments. And they were like, what need more do we have of testimony? We've heard it from his own mouth. And they blindfolded him. And they hit him. And they hit him. And they punched him. Sorry. They punched him. They punched him. Tell us, Christ, who hit you? Prophesy. Tell us. Tell us. Who hit you? And they spat in his face. They spat at him. And then they took him out. To Pilate. So, at verse 66. Let's read verse 66 together. And when it became day, the assembly of the elders and the people, both the chief priests and scribes, were gathered together, and they led him away to their Sanhedrin. So that's kind of just what I've, I've shared. And then verse 1 of chapter 23. And the entire multitude of them rose up and led him before Pilate. Because the Roman government was in charge of Israeli affairs, Jewish affairs. Although they wanted to kill him already, they had to go through the jurisdiction of the Roman government. So they brought him to Pilate. So here we have six, six you know, in the, in the night arrested and in the morning He's brought 
And I'm approximately between the hours of 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. Now this is the middle of the Passover day. It's morning time, but it's the middle of the Passover day. First he's taken to the Sanhedrin. These are the so-called religious people. Holy people. They lie about him. They blindfold him. They hit him. They punch him. They spit at him. They rough him up. Rough him up. Then they take him to Pilate. And here again they accuse him. And the, uh, verse 2 of 23 says, And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man perverting our nation and forbidding people to pay taxes to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ a king. These are all lies. So they're lying. They're lying. Well, Pilate examines him, talks to him. And he says in verse 4, I find no fault in this man. I find no fault. Why are you bringing this man to me? He's not done anything. Well, they keep persisting. And they talk, they say, oh, when he was in Galilee. And Her uh, Pilate goes, Galilee? This man's a Galilean. And he then decides, I'm going to send him, he's not my jurisdiction, he's King Herod's jurisdiction. Let's read verse 7. And when he realized that he was of Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him up to Herod who also himself was in Jerusalem in those days. I'm going to read on a little bit. And when Herod saw Jesus, he rejoiced greatly. For he wanted to see him for a considerable time. Because he had heard about him and was hoping to see some sign done by him. Let, let's read nine together. Right? And he didn't answer them anything. The, the lamb silent before its shearers. And Herod with his soldiers, this is verse 11, says... Herod with his soldiers, having despised him and mocked him, ha, threw around him splendid clothing and sent him back to Pilate. 
So Herod had an opportunity. Oh, here's, here's this Jesus guy. Tell us about yourself, Jesus. You say you're a king, I'm the king. And they mocked him. And it says they mocked him and despised him. Mocked and despised. And sent back again to Pilate. And it says after that, Pilate and Herod were best friends. After that day. Thanks for sending some fun my way. We had a great time pushing him around. Great time mocking him. Laughing at him. That was really good. Thanks for that. So then he goes back to Pilate again. And two more times Pilate says to the accusing Jews. I find no fault in him. What do you want me to do with him? And what was their answer? Crucify him. Crucify him. Away with this man. Kill him. And Pilate was, well, there's a murderer in jail. On the feast of the Passover, they released someone from jail. You want me to release the murderer or you want me to release Jesus? And they said, give us the murderer. Release the murderer. Release the murderer. Crucify him. Crucify him. We want this one out of, out of, our, out of our face. Kill him. And it says in verse 24, Pilate gave sentence to the request and he carried it out. Well, you have to go to Matthew to see what happens next. We won't turn. But the first thing that they did was they took Jesus down to the, uh, the square of the praetorium, of the garrison. And they called, it says they called the whole cohort to come. That means all the soldiers in the garrison were gathered into that courtyard. 480 men. There's probably less than 300 or about 300 in this tent. 480 men surrounding the Lord Jesus. He's already been spat out. He's already been punched. He's already been slapped around. Roughed up. He's been awake all night. Dragged from here. Dragged there. Pushed around. 
opychali. And now they whip him. Teraz they scourge him. Zaczynają go pić. And the Roman whips had barbs at the end. Barbs, thorns. That reached into the flesh and tore it. It wasn't just like a leather strap going across the back. But going in and ripping out the flesh. 480 men, soldiers, big guys. And they whip him. And they whip him. Scourge him. Pulling his flesh off his back. They made a crown of thorns. And they put it on his head. They didn't didn't do this. They got it and they crushed it into his head. The thorns digging into his scalp. It says they hit him with sticks. They were mocking him. They threw a purple robe around him. Purple cloak. They gave him a They gave him a staff. Then they took it, a staff, rod, and then they beat him with it. And I don't know how long this went on for. But eventually they put the cross beam of the cross on him. And they took him from the praetorium garrison to Golgotha, Calvary, the place of the skull. Along the way, he was already so exhausted from his trials that he could not carry the crossbeam. Some accounts say that that was it weighed 400 kilograms. For sure, a very, very heavy piece of wood. Sitting on his back. And he's trying, trying to carry this. And of course, they're going along, they're mocking him. Eventually, they need someone else to help him. Simon, a certain Cyrenian. Okay, verse 33. Verse 32. And there were two others also who were criminals were led with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals one on the right and one on the left 
So they were, they laid him down. They stripped off his clothes. And they began to hammer the nails into his hands and into his feet. Um, in Isaiah it says he was wounded for our transgressions. Wounded for our sins. Brother Nee says the nails the nails were our sins. I think we'll do it. So we don't want to be overly, we don't want to be too clever here. But the nails that went through the Lord's hands and feet, go ahead, are our sins. So now, bang, our lust. Our pride, our lying, our, our anything, anything we can think of, are the nails going in to his hands, into his legs. Our sinfulness, our worldliness, our lies, our mocking, our pride, you name it. Those nails were our sins. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. As the nails are going in, what is coming out? Blood. Blood. Human blood. Human blood. His blood. Spotless blood. Sinless blood. Spotless, sinless blood. He's pierced by our sins. His response is to shed his blood. Blood that covers our sins. The nail goes in, but the blood comes out, covering in love. We were the Roman soldiers. We were the Sanhedrin. We were the mockers. We're the ones that spat in his face. We're the ones that put the crown on his, of thorns on his head. We are the ones that drove the nails into his flesh. But what is his response? Father, forgive them. 
for they know not what they do. How many times have we sinned? Grievously, deeply, terribly. But no consciousness, no sense, the price that was paid so that that sin could be forgiven, covered, and taken away. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for bearing my sins. My sins on the cross. So now he's there. Hanging. Hanging on the cross. For the first three hours, from nine o'clock until noon, He is mocked. He is ridiculed. They laugh at him. Oh, you could save others. But you can't save yourself. If you're the Son of God, come down. Come down. Prove it. Come down off the cross. Come down. But he didn't come down. He could have come down. But if he had come down, then he could not have willingly died for us. So he stayed on the cross. And then one of the criminals, he's crucified with two criminals either side. One of them is mocking him. The other says, this man has done nothing we deserved. We deserve it. But he doesn't deserve it. That should have been you and me. Those two criminals represent us. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That's God's way. That's God's law. That's God's holy, righteous judgment on all sinful mankind. Death, death, death. But thank the Lord. Someone took our place. In in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. And then it says at the end of that verse, faith in the Son of God, faith in the Son of God, belief in the Son of God, reliance on the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Who loved me 
który mnie umiłował and gave himself up for me. i wydał samego siebie za mnie. How about we just quietly say that to ourselves? Who loved me, który mnie umiłował, who loved me który mnie umiłował, and gave himself up for me. I wydał samego siebie za mnie. I should be on the cross. To ja być I should have suffered that death. But he loved me and gave himself up for me. And so the other criminal said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the Lord said, this day, you will be with me in paradise. So even on the cross, even in the tremendous suffering that he was enduring, he was still caring for mankind. He spoke to his mother from the cross. He told one of his disciples, John, Son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. So he's there hanging and he's taking care of sinful people. He's taking care of his mother. And then at noon, it says at noon, at noon, It says the whole, the sun and the sky was darkened. It all went dark. It all went dark. And at this point, the father came in to judge the son as sin. And the son cried out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? The Father was with him the whole way. Through the, the Sanhedrin, through the scourging by the Romans, all the way up to this point. And at this point, the father economically left the son. Left him alone. Now he's completely alone. Not even the father with him. There was nothing between him and the father. And now the father is gone. Father, father, why have you forsaken me? And then in that three hours... God laid the sin of the world on the Lord Jesus on the cross. He was made sin on our behalf. And for three hours, God judged the sin of the entire world. At one point in that ordeal, At one point in the ordeal, the agony, the Lord said, 
I thirst. I thirst. In Psalm 22, it says his, his tongue was stuck to his jaws, dehydrated. He was experiencing at that point. He was tasting at that point. The fiery wrath of God. The lake of fire. He was tasting on our behalf, on behalf of the whole world, the lake of fire. All of God's wrath, anger, judgment, justice fell upon him. He tasted the lake of fire on our behalf. And then eventually, he said, it is finished. It is finished. And then, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Don't think that the Lord Jesus died on the cross. He gave up his life on the cross. He laid it down. He put it aside. He gave up his life. A life for a life. His life for my life. His life for our life. His life for your life. It is finished. I've taken all of the wrath, all of the judgment. I've taken it all upon me. It is finished. Not only was sin judged on the cross, Satan was judged on the cross. Hallelujah! Satan was judged. Sin was judged. His whole world system terminated, ended, finished on the cross. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, what a Lord. The whole universe was at the cross. Satan and his angels were there. Realizing we've made a big mistake. We are being terminated here. Sin is being terminated here. It's too late. It's over. Satan, it is finished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is finished. Let's say that together. It is finished. It is finished. It's over. It's over. Sin is judged. 
Satan is judged. The world is judged. Our sin is judged. The old man is judged. The old creation is over. Our past is over. It's finished. It's behind. It's dealt with. It's paid for. He paid the price for every sin. Everything we've ever done paid in full. Because it was the day of the Passover, we're going to finish now. We'll get to the outline tonight. Because it was the day of the Passover, the religious people did not want three criminals on a cross. So they, they went to Pilate and said, kill them now. The, the, the death of the cross is a very, very slow, painful death. You don't die from blood loss. You die from suffocation. As you are pinned to the cross. And as your legs give way. Your upper body muscles are all that holds you up. And you try and... You try and breathe like that. It's very hard to breathe. Try it. How, how deep a breath can you take? And your lungs fill up with water. And you suffocate. So the Roman soldiers came and broke the legs of the two criminals. Broke their legs. They died within minutes. They came to the Lord, but found, to their surprise, he's dead already. He's dead already. But just to make sure, let's stick a, a spear in his side. So one of the soldiers took a spear in his side. A very big spear. And out came blood and water. Blood for redemption. Water for eternal life. Then they took him down. And he was buried in the tomb of a rich man. As befitting our lovely Lord Jesus. As befitting a king. As befitting a king. Could we turn to Matthew? Matthew 27, 51 and 52. Matthew 27, 51 and 52. 
And behold, the veil of the temple was split in two from top to bottom, and the earth was shaken, and the rocks were split. Sisters 52. Together on 53. Amen. Amen. So when the Lord died, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. That veil was a separating veil between the holy place and the holy of holies. Where God was. And that veil was rent from the top to the bottom. The veil would have been as high as this tent. Ripped straight down. Showing that the way to the Father, the way to the tree of life, had been opened again through the death of Christ. The way is open through the death of Christ. God has a way. That way is His Son. Amen. The earth was shaken, signifying that the strongholds of Satan's rebellion were shaken. Like a giant earthquake, the strongholds of Satan's rebellion were shaken. The, the rocks were split. Meaning that Satan's earthly kingdom was destroyed. Conquered and subdued. And then... And then, the last one, many, many were resurrected and appeared in the city afterwards. The releasing power of Christ's death. Christ's death releases us from our death. Amen. Okay, I think... I think that's good enough for this morning. How about we take a minute, personally, privately, to just thank the Lord Jesus. If we need to confess, we confess. But mainly I think we should praise, thank, and appreciate. And then we'll have 15 minutes for sharing. Thank you.